The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil.
Rage came up in me. I was in Colorado. John Paul, we were waiting for him to come out outside of the rectory where he was for the youth festival. 2,500 people had gathered there. We'd been waiting for a couple of hours. At the end of the block on the corner was one man protesting with signs on. One man against John Paul being there trying to advertise his cause, 2,500 of us waiting for to see him when he left the rectory. And media gathered around him. At least 25 cameras and people. And I saw that. And I ran over there and got between him and the news media. Because they were showing a lie. I'd seen it at anti-abortion rallies. Focus on three, four, five people, not the three, four, or five thousand people that's marching against it. And I said between him and them, they moved to the side, he moved to the side, I moved and blocked them. I was 12 inches in front of them. They started screaming at me. They got enraged. I wasn't moving. They said, who do you think that you are, they said. I said, you're not going to show a lie. You're not showing all this audience of people around the Pope that's building here. And you're conveying this to people? You're liars. They start cursing me. They start screaming. I don't care if anybody leaves, like the song just said. It's not about having everybody else. It's about standing up and starting an explosion. 
one of the cameramen says, you wasn't at Tenement Square when I was there covering that. I said, I don't care what you covered. You're not going to cover this, and you're not going to shoot this. They lingered, and I lingered, and steadfast stayed there. They started wandering off. I stopped it. The mighty media from presenting a lie. An hour later, they started gathering again around him. This time I went, but the community caught on, and they gathered around him and circled him and completely blocked it. Nothing's going to change until you understand we're in spiritual warfare. You're not going to know how to fight spiritual warfare until you go back to the scriptures. That's your battle plan. That's your book. That's what's going to teach you. That's what's going to show you. Satan's plan is a lie. Just like with this filming or trying to shoot this one protester and give him the voice and not show any other voices there. They do this regularly. They do it every day. They lie. We've been their victim often, but we're not going to stop. We're not going to get on our knees and beg them for whatever they want us to do or be. We are who we are. You're in a fight. Satan lies through advertising. They try to give you a thinking mentality of what you need that you didn't know what you needed. The whole premise of everything in the culture today, and I say cult, sure. Where's the dangerous cult? It's the culture today. It's abnormal. The cultural that LA's building is the way today. And that's what we fight for, her way in a new time. Are you going to go there? You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be betrayed. Our lady just told us that. But we grew day by day. And that's what's happening here at Caritas. That's what's happening with Medjugorje people and her apostles all over the place. So Satan's plan is a lie. And we are in spiritual warfare. The thing we don't understand is we think it's mass. That's how we fight it. Fasting, that's how we fight it. And all our prayers, we keep it in the spiritual realm. They don't think that. They get their instructions from evil and darkness, but they exercise spiritual warfare physically. Physically, I stood in front of this man. I didn't care what they did. If they hit me or anything, I wasn't going to move. And we're losing because we keep it in the spiritual realm. Oh, yeah, I believe in spiritual warfare. I'm going to go pray. I'm going to do this. I'm a prayer warrior. Where's your works? A lady keeps saying works. Your faith, James, the book of James says in the scriptures, is exercised by works. What are you doing to fight things? You're just going to lay over and play dead? Are you going to go on their playing field? How they say, well, this is the rules. This is how we will engage. This is what we'll do. This is what we won't do. And we comply with it. We're going to their court. They own it. The court is not part of the United States of America anymore. It's part of Satan's realm. The power and authority there has gone to evil. And yes, all authority is of God. And they wouldn't have that authority if we wouldn't sin. They wouldn't have that authority if we stand up for who we are, spiritually fighting and physically manifested into our actions that you're not going to tread over us. The Virgin Mary stands on a snake. She is treading on the serpent. She is the crush's head. But we've got a misnomer. We're just peace and we're passive. And that's what our conviction is supposed to be. It's violent. Violent. 
when a dutiful Christian goes to his death, like the Coptic Christians did, their violence, but as more severe violence, that they give their life for Christ. But we don't have to go at that point and fight that way violently for Christ, giving our life against the other kind of violence. We need to be active now where we can stand because we have authority to do so. If we keep letting this going, we will have to fight it the way they did. We're not to go to our death. When God calls that, he called Peter, turn around, go back to Rome. Then that's time. But we are to avoid martyrdom physically until God calls for it. He doesn't. He didn't want the 12 in, in Jerusalem. All of them left. All the Christians left Jerusalem. The 12 didn't. And most of those that were, that were being martyred in Jerusalem were people who were pagans. But the Jews they converted, that's why mostly it's believed that the 12 could stay there at that time. And they had to do that to preserve the church. But it did come a time when most, well, every one of them was martyred except John. So you need to know how to fight, but you need to fight. And you need to exercise spiritual warfare in a fight. We're in combat. And the only one fighting is evil. They're the only one physically manifesting in their battle. They're getting the instructions. We've got our instructions, but we want to keep it in the spiritual realm. This is not very wise. And this is a recipe for defeat. We're silent, just like on Silent Night. And now they change the song to Wee Wee Night Night. And nobody does nothing. There's an article by Phyllis Shafley that was written or posted on December 15th. It's entitled, Atheist Attacks on Christmas. Bill O'Reilly asked this question on his Fox News program last week. Why do I have to be the leader defending Christmas against its attackers? O'Reilly was criticizing Rhode Island Governor Lincoln Chaffee's renaming his state's Christmas tree a holiday tree. Good question. It's time for Christians to realize that their religion is under attack and they had better start fighting to win the war for religious liberty and public opinion in the courts and in the schools. The war against Christianity has been waged by the American Civil Liberties Union, the Freedom From Religion Foundation, and similar groups. Their tactics use the threat of litigation with the hope that supremacist judges will accept their reinterpretation of the First Amendment, as Americans have understood it for over two centuries. The re-election of Barack Obama has made this issue even more pressing. Throughout his first term, he waged a persistent campaign to secularize America, to push all religion behind church doors, and to ban all mention of religion from every public place, park, building, military facility, school, and speech. The public schools have become the front line in this battle to banish Christmas from celebrations, songs, and events, and anti-Christmas public school rulings have been accelerating. Here are a few examples. Pennsylvania fourth graders were prohibited from handing out religious Christmas cards to classmates. Massachusetts ninth graders were told they could not create Christmas cards that depict a nativity scene. A Georgia school board deleted the word Christmas from the school calendar. Minnesota middle school kids 
were disciplined for wearing red and green scarves in a Christmas skit and for ending the skit with wishing all a Merry Christmas. And dozens of schools banned Christmas carols in favor of songs such as Frosty the Snowman and Winter Wonderland. A New Jersey second grader was prohibited from singing the pop song Awesome God at an evening talent show, and a Colorado school counselor changed the words of the Pledge of Allegiance on the public address system from one nation under God to one nation under your belief system. That was fortunately overturned. A Massachusetts elementary school censored God from Lee Greenwood's famous song, changing the line, God bless the USA, to We Love the USA. A first grade girl in North Carolina wrote a poem for her school's Veterans Day assembly, honoring her two grandfathers who had served in the Vietnam War that included the sentences, He prayed to God for peace. He prayed to God for strength. The school censored the word God out of the poem before the kid read it. A Texas high school ordered the football coach not to bow his head or kneel when the team said a prayer before a game. Cranston High School West in Rhode Island banned a prayer banner that had hung on the auditorium wall for 38 years without complaint. The banner read in part, Our Heavenly Father, grant us each day the desire to do our best. Help us to smile when we lose as well as when we win. Teach us the value of true friendship. Help us always to conduct ourselves so as to bring credit to Cranston High West. Amen. A Plano, Texas school banned an eight-year-old from handing out candy canes with Jesus' name on them to classmates at a school holiday party, confiscated a girl's pencils because they mentioned God, and banned an entire classroom from writing Merry Christmas on cards to be sent to our troops serving in the Middle East. Litigation followed the action of a Texas high school that tried to forbid cheerleaders from displaying a banner at a football game with a Bible verse and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. President Obama is a major part of the campaign to secularize America. For the fourth straight year, Obama again deleted God from his Thanksgiving Day address as he personally read it from the teleprompter into a camera. Of course, there is nothing in the U.S. Constitution that requires this anti-Christmas nonsense. The purpose of all these actions is to mandate a religion of secularism, which is completely contrary to American history, heritage, and constitutional law. Christians had better wake up and realize the threat of the secularists to the First Amendment. Our answer to the ACLU and the atheist lawyers who are trying to change America should be the favorite words of Scrooge in Charles Dickens' story, A Christmas Carol. Bah humbug. So Bill O'Reilly asks this question on his Fox News program last week. Why do I have to be the leader defending Christmas against its attackers? That's a very good question that Joan just read that he asked. Why? Because the most powerful person in the diocese of where these things occur is the bishop. And you got a newscaster, a newsman, an orator defending Christianity. 
more so than the bishop? I tell you, you bishops out there, you people have to go to your bishops. They have power that O'Reilly doesn't have. You say, well, he broadcasts across the United States of America. But his power and his voice doesn't rally people up. It doesn't serve as a command to go into combat, to pour out in the streets and put the nativity where they took it down. And this will not come down. We'll make guards over this. You won't do it over our dead bodies. We have to die for that? No, you won't have to. Because your conviction will make the resolve and your enemy to this die in their convictions. You kill them that way. We love our enemies. We love our neighbor. We love people who don't believe. But you're not showing them anything. You stand up and you're opposing them because they're never at the rallies, abortion rallies or anti-abortion rallies, near any way the numbers what we would be. But we're passive and we're taught by our leaders. Well, you can't do anything. It's time to get physical. You won't remove this nativity from this site over our dead bodies. They back down. You just had a bunch of lies make a university's president resign simply because he didn't act quick enough and then they find out the whole thing's a lie and he resigns because their voices are strong our voices are weak we have no conviction and we're leaderless in being a voice we want to be a voice we don't have it you're not calling it i tell you i think it's going to be a severe severe penalty against those voices in the church that have the power to lead us and they don't Non-confrontation, their silence on their authority, it's not disrespect toward them. We believe it. I've said it repeatedly. I believe in your authority. You don't. If you did, you would know you would go out in any situation, at any store, any mall where this is happening and say, I want my diocese, my people to meet me there and we're going to stand in front of the store. We'll block people from shopping there all Christmas season. It's time you get your feet on the pavement, Bishop. We will follow. You don't have to do anything. We have to have legal authority. It can't be like the nutcase who went into Planned Parenthood. He had no authority. He's a murderer. But you have authority that you're not granting to us to do these things through your voice. And what will it be when you realize what you've given way to, how you've empowered an enemy to grow stronger and stronger and stronger? just at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, down here in the South. You have, last week, an issuing not to ensure your holiday party is a Christmas party in disguise. What is that about? On the website of the Office of Diversity, this is satanic. We've told you diversity from the get-go years ago. It's from the devil. On the website of the Office of Diversity and the and Inclusion, administrators advise members of the campus to forego Christmas parties. They state, holiday parties and celebrations should celebrate and build upon workplace relationships and team morale, and no emphasis on religion or culture. What's the first part of that culture word, C-U-L-T? They're a cult. The culture today is abnormal. When the culture is virtuous, you're to follow the culture. When it's not virtuous, you're to be counterculture. We're to be counterculture. 
Caritas here, we are counterculture. We're building a new culture. We're building traditions. We're building a new way of life. So the cult of the culture today is evil. You are to counter. Our Lady is here to do that. We're to follow her to the new tomorrow. But then the website continues. With no emphasis on religion or culture, ensure, see, in this context, the American culture, what the United States stands for. You can't put emphasis on that. Ensure your holiday party is not a Christmas party in disguise. Consider having a New Year's party that includes decor and food from multiple religions and cultures. Well, this is against Christianity. This is not promoting another religion. It is in the sense that they would dominate because they won't do what they're asking us to do. Because as Christians, we think, okay, we got to get along with everybody. We got to be at peace. Be counterculture. Consider having a New Year's party to include decor and food and multiple religions and cultures. Use it as an opportunity to invigorate individuals for the New Year's goals and priorities. What are the quotation marks they put on that? New Year's goals and priorities. That's what they don't tell you. The guidance discouraged the use of secret Santas and other culture-specific revelry. Administrations, okay, so resistance comes up. The students go crazy. People in the public go crazy. And then administrators state they never intended their directions to be mandatory. Yeah, that's the fallback statement. That's what all they say. Oh, we wouldn't, we didn't mean it that way. So University of Tennessee's Chancellor, Jimmy Check, says after the outrage by some of the students and it reached a critical mass to them, they were surprised. He apologized and he updated the guidance. He didn't rescind it. He didn't say, you know, you're right. He's saying you're wrong again. This is how he does it. He updated the guidance. It, it now merely encourages people to keep their minds open, celebrate diversity, and ensure that any and all holiday merrymaking is conducted in a voluntary basis. Liars, demonic, devil liars. Make this guy resign. Fire him. He's covering for them. He's covering their back. And we say, oh, okay. And then he says, we are sorry that we did not communicate very well in his statement. We learned a lesson from this. Yeah, we need to learn to be more coy. We need to be more open, teaching. We're just trying to be open. We don't want to hurt somebody. We've all learned a lesson that college administrators consistently wrongly believe fostering inclusivity is more important than what it is that we believe. It's amazing. Amazing we get mowed over and over and over. And what Joan just got the reading, it says, a Colorado school counselor changed the words of the Pledge of Allegiance on the public address system from one nation under God to one nation under your belief systems. In parentheses, it says here, that was fortunately overturned. Don't stop at that. Go then demand, fire this person. You don't want that kind of mentality and that thinking in the administration of the school to stay there. That counselor has to go, and you demand it. You take your spiritual warfare, knowing this is wrong, we can't accept it, do that translating in, you are banned from this school. You will not work here. And you know who the first one could do that? Is the bishop 
I, as a bishop over this diocese, where this Colorado school is, demand this person be left. They're dangerous to people that foster truth by presenting lies like this. And we will not accept nothing less than their resignation. And I want all Catholics, Christians, and even non-believers who know the values of this to stand up for this. Do you know what? That bishop will have that person removed in a heartbeat just that quick. But instead, we got Bill O'Reilly taking the bishop's place. Shame, shame, shame. And we got what Revisionist tells us about Mark Twain. He was not a believer. Because a lot of this revolves now around Muslims and their religion, and we can't do this, we can't be offensive. Mark Twain wrote a book called Innocent Abroad in 1869. And it's pretty amazing what he observed. He went to Turkey or Syria, and he says, Then we called at the tomb of Mohammed's children, the Muslim of 5,000 Christians who were massacred in Damascus in 1861 by the Turks. They say those narrow streets ran with blood for several days and that men and women and children were butchered indiscriminately and left to rot by hundreds all through the Christian quarter. They say further that the stench was dreadful. All the Christians who could get away fled from the city and the Mohammedans would not defile their hands by burying the infidel dogs. The thirst for blood extended to the highlands of Hermon and Anti-Lebanon. And in a short time, 25,000 more Christians were massacred and their possessions laid waste. And this is what we're politically correct about. The same thing was happening then and throughout history. Mark Twain said, It hurts my vanity to see these pagans refuse to eat of food that has been cooked for us. Or to eat from a dish we have eaten from, or to drink from a ghost kin in which we have polluted with our Christian lips, except by filtering the water through a rag which they would put over the mouth or through a sponge. Twain wrote again in another chapter in Innocence Abroad, Palestine sits in sackcloth and ashes. Over it broods the spell of a curse that has withered its fields and fettered its energies about those whose borders know nothing grows but weeds and scattering turfs of cane and the treacherous fruit that promises refreshment to parching lips but turns to ashes at the touch. Palestine is desolate and unlovely. We were talking about some people in Michigan where Muslims have taken over certain areas and you do not drive in that area. And a guy got lost. He was telling us about it. He drove up the streets. The red lights don't work. The street lights don't work. The buildings are trashed. Cars are burned upside down. And people are living there. The police don't even go in there. Right in Michigan. Is this the fruit of a way of life? They're supposed to be beheld as something wonderful. There's something very wrong about this whole outlook. And also what revisionists tell you about Mark Twain. Train wrote in the book, It's hard to make a choice of the most beautiful passages in a book which is so gemmed with beautiful passages as the Bible. They say he didn't believe. They say he was an atheist. I've read this many times. And yet he's saying about the Bible how beautiful it is. 
and this may be a side note from the subject matter we're talking about, but this is what we're talking about. These exclusionary people who say they're inclusionary are minus in our history out who we're from and what we do. And so now we have an administration of universities, these thought police, these school police, these revisers of history. And Twain continues about the Bible. But it is he who is certain that not many things within its lids, talking about the Bible, may take rank above the exquisite story of Joseph, who taught through ancient writers their simplicity of language, the felicity of expression, the pathos of narrative stands out alone and seems to tell a story itself. Shakespeare is always present when one reads his book. Maculay is present when we follow the march of his stately sentences. But the Old Testament writers are hidden from the view. Amazing. This is not what I've heard about this man. All I hear is the other side. And we're so thoughtless. We're so uninvestigative. We're so non-confrontational that we're letting people rewrite our history. Those who made history or somebody like Mark Twain, how he was a non-believer, our forefathers, to change you, to be passive. You're not tolerant. The very nature of Jesus Christ was to be confrontational. And he was the peace that existed on the earth. Frank? Yeah, St. John says that anyone that denies Christ came in the flesh, this one is the Antichrist. And this system is an Antichrist system that denies Christmas in the schools, uh, teaches us through the media and other things uh, to say happy holidays in, instead of celebrating the birth of God-made flesh, the Christ coming to the earth. It's an Antichrist system. It's described in Revelations as the beast that was given power to the dragon. And the Revelations also says, who can fight the beast? And that's what we do when we stand idle uh, and not address these things through our bishops and through the ways that we can address them. And so, Timothy says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And so, this system took power in the United States through the demonetization of silver. Uh, Rothschild once said in England about the British Empire, care little what puppet holds the throne of the British Empire. Whoever controls the money controls the empire, and I control the money. So this is the way that they have gained power, and now uh, they have they, they lust for more power and complete control. And that's what this is about. And in order to do that, they have to de-Christianize Christian America. And my hope is in Our Lady and her children. Revelations also tells us that the children that came to help Our Lady when she came, those that follow the commandments. We do have hope probably more than a lot of the elections this year, but the real hope is in you. The real hope is in us. It's in our action. And we've followed Our Lady's messages through the writings of a friend of Medjugorje. I really thought that where I was 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 a live-and-die house. I had set things up according to how I saw the messages 
then I was called away from that. And I think that we really have to pray this Advent to take serious Our Lady's messages, to take serious our roles, and to take serious her plea that she cannot do anything without us. This is where this is where the real hope is, and this is where uh, Our Lady's hope is in us. And um, and also too during. And also, too, Frank, uh, during this period of time as well, you mentioned Advent. We're also in the midst of praying the Christmas Novena to prepare for Christmas. And uh, there is information on the website about that. You can get a download of that Novena. It's a very special Novena that a friend of Medjugorje began last year. And in the course of the nine days, just from the testimonies that we heard from last year, people spoke about how the secularism that's associated with Christmas or that has become associated with Christmas returned it to its spiritual roots, returned it to its spiritual heritage for their families. And uh, they felt this and they experienced that. So we certainly encourage people to go and to uh, download the novena from the website. It is on mesh.com. And uh, did you have any other comments, Frank? Yeah, and and also from these these uh, writings that come from the messages, we have the miraculous medal, Medjugorje round, the immaculate conception medal, where Christ becoming flesh began in Our Lady, and her immaculate conception and her yes to God, and it's also uh, a beautiful one ounce silver round, point nine 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 fine, and it's also a way to abandon the Antichrist system and to enter into to God's system because that's the that's the root is to usurp God's system of equal weights and measures and to gain power through controlling a mon- the monetary system. So this is something very important that we're doing. Also uh you know the other things that that our lady is showing us through the writings we're here to help you with. So you can reach us toll free, 877-936-7686. You can email us at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. And our website is globalsilverinvestors.com. In the radio today, it said Cranston High School West in Rhode Island banned a prayer banner that had hung on the auditorium wall for 38 years Without complaint. When something happens in this nation, you go to the highest authority. You blame Obama. Or you blame Congress or the Supreme Court. Or something goes wrong in school, you blame that person. Whoever's in authority. You need to realize... In Rhode Island, where this took place, the highest authority that's at fault is the bishop there over this school. I don't care if it's a public school. I don't care if it's a Baptist school. Because he is the bishop over the Baptist. He is the bishop over civil things there. And he has the right to say, we will not stand we will not accept the de-Christianization of this diocese and its people who reside within the scope of where they live underneath this jurisdiction. We will speak out. We will demand resignations. The bishop is the most responsible. 
And you as Christians are at fault for this banner coming down, not complaining to the bishop. Because you don't have authority civilly to go tear it down. But if your bishop said to do that, you got authority. Because his authority from God. And you say we're going to go in there, he can do it. This is a new way of thinking because we're so passive. We're so feminized in the church. And our offices of bishops also often are following the women's thoughts. Because we've got a female-driven society today. We've got submission of the male toward that. We've got Obama saying, showing you the clear evidence of what I'm saying to prove it, that nothing in the military is going to be banned from women now. They can never be a Navy SEAL. They physically can't do it. Not just in their physique and what they do and what they're made for, but as a woman, they can't do it. They can't be in the same conditions every day. And yet we just accept it. I haven't heard the authority of the church speak out against that. Yes, I expect a woman in a neighborhood where something's happening to fight her dying breath to protect her children. But that's her duty to protect her children while the males are out doing what they need to do. We need some maleness in the bishop's office. I mean, we need some real manhood. We need some, I'm out in the streets. I'll do a press conference, not in my diocesan office. I'm going on the sidewalk. I call all Catholics to come to it. you got to go to physical actions, bishops. And you Catholics and you Christians and you non-believers who want virtue and to live in a same society, knowing that religion is good for you. And some atheists, atheists do profess that. I just don't believe, but I know it's good to live in a sane society where criminality and things that happen are wrong. You even got a Barnabas who's saying this marriage thing's gone too far themselves to saying that. So you'll have people and be in league with people you never think would be for you. And I tell you the big thing is there's a lot of heroes out there. There is bishops out there that will be held up in such esteem and such gratitude and such admiration that they will be shocked how they'll be held. But all that is asleep with you. You've never awakened it. It's time you awake this Christmas. We need leadership. We need a physical call. We don't need it at the bishop's conference. We don't need no more papers. We don't need no more pronouncements. We need you to lead us. This Christmas, this novena we're doing now, You wake up your bishop. You hold him accountable. You do what you have to do. No more sleeping on this. Realize what's at stake before you're put on the stake. Wish your lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. 
It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Metronomics show with a friend of Metrigoria. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205 Six seven two two thousand.